Welcome back to the Get a Grip podcast. This is your host, Corey Grip. It's been a couple weeks, but i got a lot of things I want to talk about today. You know, the, I want to talk about a lot of NFL action, week five and six recaps, analysis, my take on what's going on in the league right now. Um, I also want to focus on, you know, what coaches are on the hot seat, some NBA job openings. But I first want to start off with, LeBron James, his legacy, Lakers winning the championship. Lakers won the championship um, about a week ago. And, you know, I kind of wanted to just digest it slowly and kind of just hear what other people had to say before I create my inform my own opinion. But for me, nothing has changed. Um, you know, LeBron's a great player. He's one of the best. You know, I don't – in my opinion, you can't talk about the greatest – three players in the game without LeBron James being in that top three. Um, if you really want to make the case for LeBron James being a top three player, at worst, he's top five. Okay. You can't say he's not a top five player. That's just, it's ludicrous. Um, but to me, LeBron James is still the second greatest player ever. And he's got a lot of great stats. And you, you look at LeBron James playoff stats specifically, forget regular season. Cause that does, that just doesn't really matter. People want to talk about the playoffs cause you know, that's where, you know, legacies are formed, right? Um, so LeBron James, playoff stats. First in games played at 260. Has missed zero playoff games. He's played 258 consecutive playoff games. He's played over 10,000 career playoff minutes, 5,000 more than the second active player in Kevin Durant. All-time leader in playoff points scored. Second in career playoff assist by Magic Johnson. He has won 79% of closeout games in career. And, he's, and he appeared in every NBA Finals from 2011 to 2018. That's pretty incredible. You also throw in some of LeBron James' most memorable playoff moments. Buzzer beaters against the Orlando Magic in 2009, against the Bulls in 2015, Pacers and Raptors in their 2018 run to the finals of Cleveland, and then also his incredible Game 6 performance against the Celtics in Eastern Conference Finals in 2012, the chase down block on Andre Godala, and carrying the Cavs team to the NBA Finals in 2007 and 2018, but his crowning achievement in his career was the 3-1 comeback versus the Warriors. All those are great things. But, you know, the thing I believe, and I think the biggest difference between Michael Jordan and LeBron James, I almost feel like Michael Jordan has more memorable moments. I think LeBron, as, as great as LeBron James's career has been, I almost feel like his shortcomings have overshadowed his accomplishments. Um the 2011 NBA Finals loss to the Mavericks. That might have been one of the greatest upsets in NBA history uh, considering the talent gap that the Heat had over the Mavericks and that outside of Dirk, I mean, you know, that Mavs had an old Jason Terry, an old Jason Kidd, and they were able to beat the Heat in six games. Um, they got completely outplayed in the 2014 NBA Finals. His first season with the Lakers was just really bad in all levels. LeBron James got hurt. Didn't look like a leader. He was very passive aggressive. You know, claim. You know, he wanted AD, and all the young guys felt backstabbed by LeBron. He got David Blatt fired. He did make the playoffs the first two years in the league, but like Jordan, LeBron did have a steady climb to the champ to the promised land. But again, you know, I think his shortcomings kind of overshadow a lot of the high moments in his career. Not to say that Jordan didn't have his own shortcomings. I mean, Jordan. First four or five years in the league, he really struggled in the playoffs without help. But I will say there is no great player in this game that didn't have help around him. Um, you know, Wilt Chamberlain might have been the only player in NBA history to really win a championship on by himself 
when he won with the Philadelphia 76ers in the mid-60s. But every great player has had help. Michael Jordan had Scottie Pippen, LeBron James is at Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh, Kevin Love, Kyrie Irving. Um, the big three Celtics had each other. Larry Bird had Kevin McHale and Robert Parrish. Magic Johnson had Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. James Worthy, Kareem had Oscar Robertson and Milwaukee. Um, you know, there were a lot of maybe in the mid seventies, there were more of those, you know, one, you know, player team led teams, you know, one at all, but a lot of guys, a lot of teams, one, Hakeem Olajuwon had Clyde Drexler for one of his championships, you know, Kobe Bryant had Shaq and then Pal Gasol, um, you know, Dirk is another one that might've kind of wanted on by really led that team on his own, but the Spurs had each other, Tony Parker, Ginobili, uh, Tim Duncan, you know, Kawhi Leonard had, you know, Kyle Lowry, Pascal Siakam, Marcus Saul, Serge Ibaka, Fred Van Vliet, all good NBA players. Uh, the Warriors, Steph, Clay, Draymond, and then they added Kevin Durant to the mix. My point is, is that every championship team, almost every NBA championship team has great players around the star. Um, so I'm not going to, I'm not going to use Michael Jordan struggling in the playoffs without help against him because, you know, LeBron James struggled without help. I mean, look at his first go around in Cleveland outside of the 2007 season. He couldn't get past the Boston Celtics. He struggled early against the Detroit Pistons, and he had to leave Cleveland to go to Miami to get over that hump because he couldn't win it by himself, like Michael Jordan, who couldn't beat the Celtics early in his playoff career, and then the Pistons. It took Scottie Pippen and Michael Jordan evolving as players for them to finally get over the Pistons' hump. But... Let's also not forget Jordan had a bad stint with the Wizards. He was a bad GM and president of basketball operations, um, and he retired twice. But people seem to forget that LeBron James has all these playoff stats, which is great, but Michael Jordan retired twice. He missed about four potential years of adding more stats of his own. I mean, if Michael Jordan plays those four years, I mean – you know, who knows where his stats would be regular season and postseason, and who knows how many championships and final MB, finals MVPs he would have. The one thing I will say, it's, it is hard to compare eras. Um, you know, the games are just so different. And that's why I think it's really hard to compare LeBron James versus Michael Jordan. First of all, they're not even the same player. Okay. LeBron James, as great as, as great of a player as he is, he's not, he's not a natural scorer. I feel like LeBron James is more of a passing facilitator than Michael. Michael was just a killer. He knew like he knew he had to go get his own bucket. LeBron James, he's a, he's a good, he's a really good scorer, but that's not, that doesn't seem his natural fit on the floor. His natural fit is really setting himself up and setting his teammates up as well. We saw that a lot this year. First time in his career, he averaged over 10 assists. Um, but it, yeah, it very different. It's hard to compare errors, especially when these guys don't even play the same position. Michael Jordan, LeBron James. Um, but today's different. Hand checking, can't really hand check, get physical on the perimeter. And I think modern technology and medicine has also benefited a lot of modern day players. You know, we have first class hotels, private planes. You're not flying, you know, coach anymore. You're flying charter. Um, you know, you know, the NBA players nowadays, you know, they have less back to backs and three in, you know, three games in three days and five games in six days because, you know, Adam Silver gave them, you know, more schedule flexibility. Um, the, the league, the, today's game is less physical, um, less defensive oriented. And I think, listen, if Jordan, and I think this is a point that, you know, it's, it's hard to get into hypotheticals 
it's hard to, you know, hypothesize what Michael Jordan's career would have been had he done a few things differently. But I firmly believe Michael Jordan didn't start to lift weights seriously until the late 80s when he was getting beat up by the Pistons. There was no social media and there was less focus on, you know, nutrition, ways to take care of yourself. I think it explains why Jordan retired twice. He was an avid cigar smoker. He played a lot of golf. He gambled a lot. I'm not saying, and he drank a lot. I'm not, I mean, he wasn't an alcoholic, but you know, it was known that Michael Jordan, you know, liked to kind of do his own thing and to, you know, to socialize and to, you know, kind of live it up a little bit. You know, times are different. Times are different. I think, and if Michael Jordan played in today's era with social media, I think he would be a completely different person. I don't think he would be as, you know, active outside of the basketball court. I think he'd be more focused. As great as Michael Jordan was, and as much as he took basketball seriously, and as much as he got better, I think today's I think today's age, I think he would have had a longer career. I think his longevity would have been much better, and I think the stats would reflect that. And I think he'd have more championships. Um, you know, I think Michael Jordan was just so gassed and so tired after his first run because he had done so much of the heavy lifting for years. As good as as good of a player as Scottie Pippen was. Michael Jordan had really no offensive help. It was really up to him almost every single night with Scottie Pippen contributing on most nights, but not every night. Uh, Jordan, he never played in a game seven in the finals. And while talented and while talent may be better in today's game in today's teams, teams back then were more coachable. They could be coached hard. They were more defensive oriented, more physical. There were no easy baskets on most nights. Jordan defeated some of the greatest players ever played the game in his postseason runs. Patrick Ewing, Charles Barkley, Clyde Drexler, Magic Johnson, James Worthy, Gary Payton, John Stockton, Carl Malone, Isaiah Thomas. This is a guy that really took his game to the next level. And again, who knows what Michael Jordan's career would have been had he gambled less and smoked less cigars and took nutrition and can you know and took condition and taking care of his body more seriously and and because in today's era, you know, a lot of a lot of teams have specialized nutritionists and sleep specialists and all kinds of, you know, different outlets to help players maximize their performance and take care of their bodies. It's obviously again, science and te- technology is way more advanced now than it ever was back when Michael Jordan played. LeBron may be more skilled than Jordan. I would say that LeBron is a one of the best passers to ever play the game. He's he can score at all three levels, but LeBron essentially coached himself, okay, and he needs to be, but needs to be checked occasionally. Phil was needed for Michael because Phil helped Michael see the bigger picture. Michael was a great player, but Michael pushed his teammates to be great. Did not make excuses. LeBron James, throughout his career, has notoriously, you know, low, you know, whether it was passive aggressive or not he he kind of demanded more help quietly to the media he called out teammates or coaches he was very passive aggressive you know michael didn't really do that and i think the last dance you know documentary kind of showed michael did whatever it took to win he kind of pushed his teammates to the brink but and i think the teammates thought he was an asshole kind of thought he was a jerk but they saw that what he was doing was was to get the team to win and i think phil helped michael you know, be a little less intense, helped him see the bigger picture, helped him see that he needed his teammates to win and that he needed to get them to come along with him. Um, 
again, both players played completely different games, but I think I made a lot of points that made Michael Jordan out to be a better player. I'm not saying LeBron's not great. He's great. But Michael Jordan was built different, and I think it showed in the Last Dance documentary, and I think obviously it's hard to compare because they didn't play the same position and they played in different eras, but I will take Michael Jordan 10 times out of 10. As great of a player as LeBron is, Michael is just on a different level. And no matter how many championships LeBron wins, no matter how many stats he compiles, Michael Jordan will still be, in my opinion, the greatest player to ever play the game. Transitioning to uh, the NFL, I kind of just wanted to break down a few teams from what I've seen um, so far, you know, some specific matchups. But let, let me start with the Cleveland Browns. All week, all last week, all I heard about was, oh, this team is so good. They're, they are a contender. Uh, they have the best run game in the NFL. Their offensive line has been great. Miles Garrett is a defensive player of the year candidate. This is all I heard all week. And you know what I didn't hear? No one talking about the Steelers. No one talked about the Steelers last week. It was all about, oh, well, the Steelers will probably win, but you know Cleveland is is the team to that will rise and shine, and, and the Steelers will not be better than the Browns or the Ravens this year. That's all I heard last week. And you know what I saw? I saw a 38 to seven whooping Pittsburgh looked great. I'll talk about them in a second, but I wanted to start up first of all with Cleveland. Let's talk about the last two games. Okay. Against the Colts last week, the Colts first four possessions, 20 points. First drive of the second half of the Colts Browns had a pick six. And you know what happened next? Five possessions for Cleveland, two picks by Baker Mayfield, two punts and a field goal. Once the Colts made adjustments, the Browns could not really run the ball, and Baker had two interceptions. Colts started to get more pressure, and as we know, when Baker Mayfield is faced with pressure, he's not the same quarterback, makes a lot more mistakes, and he, he just rushes his throws. All right? And before the Colts win, Browns had wins over teams with a combined four wins. You know who those were against? The Bengals and Washington, okay? And the Dallas Cowboys. The Browns do have a recipe for success, Okay. Um, you know, I, I think if they can run the ball and set up the play action, they'll have a lot of success. But I think like the Vikings, who I'll also mention later, if they can't run the ball, their offense is so limited because the run game sets up the play action. Baker Mayfield and Kirk Cousins are not great. Um, they are inconsistent in the shotgun under center. And when they don't have that running game, their, their limitations are just absolutely enhanced and just super obvious. Um, the Browns held up very good against the Colts, but against the Steelers, they gave up four sacks. Baker Mayfield just picked off twice, completely exposed. I've never bought in Cleveland from the start. I think they have the talent of a playoff team, but again, you know, their schedule is very, um, very easy. It's, it's much easier than some of the other teams going forward. Um, but I will say, and their two losses, they've scored a combined 13 points against the Ravens and the Steelers. Yeah. Cleveland may be a playoff team and they have a lot of talent. But they have a very limited ceiling because Baker Mayfield is a game manager. And if they if they can't run the ball, this is a team that's going to struggle. Their secondary and their linebacking play is not very good. It's very average to below average. And as good as Miles Garrett was, he only had one sack and one pressure uh, on Sunday. Com so just completely exposing all the defensive flaws that this team has. Again, I think Cleveland, uh, they have a very good offense, but they have a very limited ceiling given the fact that Baker Mayfield is a game manager as he only he threw less than 120 yards. And I don't want to hear about Baker Mayfield had a rib injury. Odell and Landry weren't 100%. I don't want to hear that. If you're out on the field, I don't want to hear any of these excuses about injuries. The Pittsburgh Steelers 
got no hype coming into this game, and they absolutely shut down the hype in Cleveland on their way to a 38-7 victory. Now I'm going to shift to the Steelers, my team, the Steelers. I've been on the Steelers train all season. I didn't think they'd win the division. I did say they would go 10-6, and 11-5, and and I'm going to stand with that prediction. A lot of people have said, oh, well, Big Ben is washed. Oh, he's old. He's not going to be very efficient. What I've seen from Big Ben this year is I've seen efficient Big Ben. I think Big Ben, for the first time in his career, really prepared and and got his body in shape for an NFL season. I think for the longest time, I don't think Big Ben took nutrition and, and training seriously. But this is the best I think Big Ben has looked in his career. And while the numbers may not reflect that, Yes, Big Ben is only averaging 235 passing yards a game, but they're 5-0. and Big Ben is career highs and completion percentage at 69% compared to his, you know, 64% on his career. And his QBR this season is 109 compared to his career, 94 QBR. Big Ben is playing efficient, 11 touchdowns, one interception. The one thing I will say about Pittsburgh is last season – because they didn't have Big Ben, the running game suffered. Okay, listen to these numbers. Big ben, The Steelers barely averaged over 90 yards rushing last year, which is one of the worst in the NFL. This year, they're averaging 136 yards a game. That's great balance. Big Ben opens up the offense, and I said this last year too. This, this team needed to be – Big Ben was going to open up the running game again. James Conner's finally healthy. And in four of their five wins, they've had a 100-yard rusher, James Conner having three of those 100-yard games, Benny Snell having one. It's the New York Giants week one. This Steelers team has the balance to win a Super Bowl as well as – now, I don't want to get too high up on the hype train. And I will say Big Ben is going to have to you know, continue to be efficient and, and complete a lot of passes. But listen, some people are going to say, well, what if the Steelers can't run the ball? Well, I think right now they don't need Big Ben to throw 300 yards a game, okay? He's only done that once against Denver in five weeks. But I will say this about Pittsburgh. I think Big Ben – is still trying to ease his way back in. Remember, he didn't play for a whole season. But these first five games, he's looked really efficient. They're running the ball well. The defense really showed out against Cleveland. Uh, four sacks, um, two interceptions. They have 24 sacks in five games. Leads the NFL. And against the Eagles, while they did give up 17 points in the third quarter, um, Bud Dupree, Joe Hayden, and T.J. Watt made big plays. Uh, they took away the run game outside of one run from Miles Sanders. The Steelers' run defense has been solid. They have, they're have they leading the league in sacks. They have an interception in every single game this season. Big Ben's playing efficient football. Their next two games, I think, are going to show a lot about what this team could be. They play the, the Red Hot Titans and the Baltimore Ravens. But the way this team's been playing this season, I have no doubt in my mind that they're going to go to the playoffs and definitely make some noise and potentially push for a Super Bowl appearance. Now, I want to talk about the Eagles real quickly. The Eagles are a formidable team, and I think once they get healthy, um, we're going to see what this, this this team's potential. Listen, they pushed the Steelers and the Ravens until the very end of those games. Against the Ravens in three of their last four drives, the Eagles scored touchdowns. Carson Wentz almost willed his team to a victory despite playing with you know, a banged-up offensive line and still no perimeter weapons. And let's also add in Miles Sanders got hurt with a knee injury on Sunday. Um, the Eagles have the Browns. Giants and Cowboys in, in their next four games. So those are all winnable games, I think, for the Eagles, especially if they can start to get more healthy. But listen, listen to this. Four of the Eagles' projected five starting offensive linemen coming into the season are out with the season with injuries. Brandon Brooks, Jason Peters, Andre Dillard, and Isaac Samola. And then five of their top – four of their top five projected wide receivers, Alshon Jeffrey, Jalen Rager, Deshaun Jackson, Marquise Gwynn, and now Dallas Goddard. 
Four of them are on IR, and one of them opted out for the season. Lane Johnson's been dealing with injuries, and as I said, Miles Sanders is out with an injury. Wentz is not getting his fair shake. He is he is putting his team in a position to possibly win games. If this was any other quarterback, we'd be praising him. But for whatever reason, we're not giving Wentz his due credit. He has no chance to succeed with all of these weapons. And considering that he was able to beat San Francisco a couple weeks ago and nearly knock off the Steelers and Ravens, two of the best you know ten teams in the NFL on the you know one on the road, one at home. It's impressive. I think once this team starts to get healthier, um, the defense is going to be benefit from that as their offense will be more consistent with the weapons. But again, I think Carson Wentz needs to get more credit. You know, he's he's playing well, but he just doesn't have the help around him to win games against good teams. Going into the Ravens, the Ravens are five and one, but you know this is a different team from last year. I mean, they averaged two hundred six rushing yards last year, five and a half yards a carry, which is very good. Now, this year they're averaging 164 yards per game, five and a half yards a carry so far. I think I think they miss Marshall Yonda. And I am that was an underrated loss for the Ravens. Marshall Yonda was, you know, for most of his career, one of the best interior guards, you know, um, in his career. Um, I think the Ravens, I think maybe you look at the 164 yards per game, five and a half yards per carry, maybe that's more efficient, but I don't really look at it like that. I also see that. Lamar Jackson's been sacked more times through six games this year versus last year, 15 sacks versus 11 last year. I will say Calais Campbell has been good for their pass rush. He has four sacks this year. And I I was a huge fan of Patrick Queen, the rookie at LSU coming into this year. He has two forced fumbles, two fumble recoveries, and a touchdown. And he's also leading the team in tackles. I really thought that was a great pick for these Ravens. And their defense is very good. But again, they have, like the Steelers, I, I don't think both teams have played great teams to this point. Um, the Ravens passing offense is the key here. We know the Ravens are a good run team. And, and, and while, you know, I think every, I think last year, everything clicked for the Ravens. You know, they didn't have a lot of injuries. You know, Lamar Jackson caught the league by storm. They had the best run off running offense, maybe in, you know, in league history, but I think teams have made some adjustments, but there's still going to be a real 164 yards on the ground per game is still very, it's, it's exceptional. But the thing that concerns me is Lamar Jackson, for the last four games, he's passed for under 200 passing yards, but that's not going to fly against that'll fly against, you know, a banged up Eagles team, a rebuilding Cincinnati team and a bad Washington team, you know, especially offensively. But we saw Lamar Jackson pass for under a hundred yards against the chiefs. That's not going to fly. And when they play the Steelers in two weeks, a real defense, we're going to see what the Ravens offense can do. I'm not concerned I think the Ravens are going to run the ball no matter who they play, but it's up to Lamar in the passing game. If Lamar Jackson doesn't continue to pass, and I said this coming in before his rookie season, I said Lamar Jackson's going to be an electrifying playmaker in the NFL, but if he can't continue to develop as a passer, his first few wins wins in the first few seasons in the league, he's going to be limited. I love Lamar Jackson. He's a great player, but his ceiling is only as high as his passing improves, and so far – you know, we saw it weeks one and two. He he looked good, but in the last few weeks, he is not he's not been as efficient in a couple games, and some of that may be due to his knee injury that he sustained. But he's playing; he's not playing against good teams. Um, Lamar Jackson needs to continue to improve as a passer because in their next five games, they play the Steelers twice, the Colts, Pats, and Titans—all good teams. He's going to need to be on his A game if they expect to win the majority of those games going forward. Uh, Cowboys defense is terrible; they're giving up. They gave up 30 points to a team, averaging 12 points a game coming in. I do feel bad for Dak. I think it was a freak injury, but I think this is why the franchise tag needs to go. 
I have said Dak Prescott to me reminds me of Matt. St- he's a better version of Matt Stafford and Kirk Cousins. Um, he puts up they all three of them put up a lot of stats. That they, they win a bunch of games. They'll even go to the playoffs every every few years, every couple years. But uh, Dak's not a top ten quarterback in my opinion. But he did win a lot of games, and he should have been compensated for that. Uh, I think the Cowboys will likely tag tag Dak Prescott again. Um, with that being said, I think Andy Dalton will have some success. Remember, this is a guy that helped the Bengals to five straight playoff appearances. He's just he's a solid vet. But I do think that now that Dak's out, I think the Cowboys are going to go back to what's made this team successful throughout the years. I think Ezekiel Elliott needs to get more touches. Um, Ezekiel Elliott is a top three running back in the NFL, and I think he gets better as the game goes on. Zeke should have at least close to 30 touches a game. He should be getting at least 18 to 22 carries, five to six catches a game. You know, this is an absolute playmaker. And the Cowboys, because they've fallen behind in a lot of games, they can't really establish the running game. I know the offensive line isn't what it used to be, but Zeke is still their best offensive playmaker, and he needs to get the ball. Quickly about the Giants. Um, I think the Giants remind me a lot of the Miami Dolphins last year. You know, this is a team that they're playing hard for Joe Judge, but they just don't have the talent. We're starting to see the payoff for the Dolphins this year. They're three and three. They they um they almost beat Russell Wilson, the Seahawks. They went to San Francisco, blew up the Niners, and they blew up the Jets yesterday. Um, I think the Giants are in the position of the Dolphins of last year. Uh, this team's playing hard for Joe Judge, but the talent's not there yet. But you can tell that I think Joe Judge is a real good coach. Whether Daniel Jones is the long-term answer quarterback, I don't know, but I think he's a real coach. Uh, Seahawks, I was wrong. I didn't think I thought the Seahawks would be the worst team in their division. I wasn't sure how Russell Wilson. I knew Russell Wilson was great, and I said he's a top three quarterback in the league easily. But I thought with their limited roster, they wouldn't have this much success. But Russ is cooking. Five and zero, oh, nineteen touchdowns, three interceptions. He's completing over seventy-two percent of his passes, over eighteen hundred passing yards, eight point nine yards attempt. This is an explosive offense. Uh, DK Metcalf and Russell Wilson have great chemistry, as do Tyler Lockett and Russell Wilson. Uh, David Moore has been a solid third receiver. He's spreading the ball around to everybody. Chris Carson, Travis Homer, Will Disley, Greg Olson. This is an offense with a lot of potential, even though the offensive line is still below average, way below average, and their defense has a lot of holes. But, you know, this. listen, I don't know if this is a long-term sustainable plan for the Seahawks. Uh, I think they're going to win a lot of games because Russell Wilson is just going to be the best quarterback on the field 99% of the time. But is this a Super Bowl winning formula? I don't think so because I, I just don't think they have the roster to win a Super Bowl. Um, I think you know Mike Zimmer. I, I don't disagree with his call to go four and fourth and two. I think you got to trust your team to go make a play. You got to show faith that they are just going to go push ahead for two yards. But uh, I, you know, I think a lot of people are criticizing him for going for giving Russell Wilson the ball back to win the game. But you know, I, I think. Some people say, oh, well, he didn't trust his defense. I, I just think he trusted his offense to get the two yards, you know, because they had dominated that game for most of it. Um, but again, let, let's not let's not overshadow the fact that the Vikings got the Seahawks to two fourth downs on a game-winning drive. Uh Cameron Dantzler misplayed a ball on the sideline, which allowed DK Metcalf to go up and get the ball. Um, and then Anthony Harris stood there while Metcalf cut right in front of him. And um, you know, Russell Wilson hit, you know, Metcalf for the game-winning touchdown. And also on that drive, Vikings let Russell Wilson escape the pocket, which is something you can't do with Russ because he might be the best uh, outside-the-pocket quarterback in the NFL. Um, I still don't think this is an NFL team, a Super Bowl team. But, you know, the Vikings made a lot of mistakes on that game-winning drive to allow Seahawks to win. 
Uh, I just want to talk about the Bucks and the Packers from this past weekend. Um, I said coming into the season, you know, the Packers, they're not a Super Bowl team. This is a team that didn't make any changes. I mean, I think their offense got off to a really good start, but this is the same Packers team as last year. You know, they added a couple guys on defense. But this is essentially the same offense and defense from last year. Rodgers was not as effective without a clean pocket. And we saw this last year when they played the Chargers, the Eagles, and the San Francisco twice. They didn't have a lot of success running the ball. Aaron Rodgers was harassed in the pocket, and they couldn't stop the run. And what did we see yesterday? They, they couldn't get pressure on, on Tom Brady. They couldn't stop the run, and Aaron Rodgers was under duress. Now, I will say, I don't know if this is a sustainable formula for the Bucs. They didn't allow a sack. They had no penalties, no turnovers. But if they can be somewhat like this for and consistent, this is the best Bucs. This is the Bucs at their best. Really good balance. 158 rushing yards. Tom Brady had 166 passing yards, but more importantly, 96 QBR and 104 passer rating. They had five sacks, eight tackles for loss. Um, third straight game with under 100 rushing yards uh, for the Packers. I don't think their offensive line is super physical. I think this game is over after the first interception. You could just see Aaron Rodgers' body language is done. And I just, again, I don't think they're as good as advertised, you know, because they didn't really get any better. They just... They just got off to a hot start, but this is the same team as last year. So I, I don't – again, this is another team. I just don't think they're a Super Bowl team. I didn't buy into the hype. This is – I'm not saying the Packers aren't a good team, but they are not as good as advertised. Well, this is just uh, part one of the podcast. Part two, I will break down more uh, coaching vacancies, uh, potential coaches getting fired in other – NFL news and some NBA news. So uh, thanks for listening to this part of the podcast, and I hope you listen to the next part as well.